Warning, the following episode will contain Sweden, by way of England, living near George Lucas, torture, nudity, rape, Led Zeppelin covers, rich people court, involuntary tattooing, one night stands, strong fucking language, and... The following episode will contain throwing away perfectly good clothes. Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. My name is S.D. Harker, librarian, writer, punk rock hacker. You can follow me at BandWriter. You can follow the library at BandLibrary on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, hanging around the web board, investigate crazy shit. But I don't pay attention to most of those. If you'd like to help support the Band Library, go over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash bandlibrary. There's a link at the post and the website. For about a dollar a month, you get... A lot of shit. <laughs> Just kind of lost my train of thought there. That's uh, $12 a year. You can be a friends, member of the Friends of the Band Library. Get access to damn near everything we've ever posted going back 837 years. If you can believe that. Which you shouldn't. Because that's too long. And the buses are just rolling today. I apologize if you can hear that in the background. For April? April? This past month, we'll just say that, we covered Band TV, Maud's Dilemma, otherwise known as The Golden Girls Handle Abortion. Uh, we've also got episodes on every episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier with our special series, Marvel Madness. Looking to continue that with Loki coming up. Maybe the What If series. Who knows? In May, we're going to talk about the X-Files episode, Home where Skulder and Molly find some really weird nonsense on a farm, so stay tuned for that. Today, though, we are going to talk about a movie that... Well, it moves pretty quick for such a slow burn. 2011's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, based on the book of the same name, starring Rooney Mara, Daniel Craig, Stellan Skarsgård. It's about two investigators fighting rich people to solve their immediate life problems and a decades-old mystery. And quite honestly, this is the definition of an airport book. If you've never actually read or understand what this story is, of course, it's got some really harsh and lascivious uh, things to it. But overall, it's just a basic mystery plot. There's nothing too crazy as far as the storytelling goes. Directed by David Fincher. Who will talk about it now? Why not? David Andrew Leo Fincher was born in 1962, Denver, Colorado. His mother was a nurse and hospital worker, while his father was a reporter and bureau chief for Life magazine. At two years old, the Fincher family moved to California. There, David gained an interest in film and directing. His neighbor at the time was George Lucas. When he was eight, he saw a making of a documentary of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and decided he wanted to make movies. During his teens, he moved to Oregon. There, he directed plays, 
in school, had multiple jobs, including a projectionist and a PA for a local television station. In the early 80s, he began working in film. He eventually got a job as an assistant to some new crazy visual effects company called Industrial Light and Magic, also known as ILM, George Lucas's, uh, like, they, they basically made Star Wars and everything a lot of people love. And he worked on such movies as, you know, little things, uh, Return of the Jedi and Temple of Doom. He left ILM to direct commercials. One of his first was for the American Cancer Society, depicting a fetus smoking a cigarette. So if you've ever wondered if David Fincher was always like this, yeah. That commercial brought him big attention. Several more commercial directing jobs, as well as music videos. Some of his clients included Coca-Cola, Nike, Sony. Some of the musicians he worked with, George Michael, Michael Jackson, Madonna, Aerosmith. So, you know, he started small and then worked his way up. In 1990, he was given the job after some production issues to direct Alien 3. After alleged studio interference, I don't wasn't there, so I don't know, but you just hear things. The end product was a box office disappointment. And the movie itself, eh, it's not the worst movie in the Alien franchise, simply because they kept making movies in the Alien franchise. Still, the visual style of the movie was commended. He did a good job with what he had. In 1995, Fincher began making the films he would be known for, starting with Seven, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. This was followed by The Game, which is not doesn't hold up quite as well as it could, but still interesting to watch. And Fight Club, which still does hold up, and I think a lot of people, much like Scarface and Goodfellas and a bunch of other movies that honed in on violence, people took the wrong fucking message out of that shit, didn't they? The latter... Collaboration uh, with Brad Pitt, Fight Club, super successful and pretty much put his name on the map. From 2000 onward, his productions have varied from content and success, including Zodiac, which is just, uh, I fucking love that movie. Curious Cage of Benjamin Button, which I've seen once in the theater and probably will never watch again. Social Network, which I will say is a great movie. But again, I just don't have the feeling to watch it again. And Gone Girl which I haven't seen, but I read the book, so I'm curious. I actually should have seen it by now. I don't know why. I was living on a mountain, I think, when it came out, literally. Fincher has been married twice, has one daughter from his first marriage. That's the life of David Fincher. Like I said, I read the book way back when this came out. I didn't remember much about the actual story, though, before I watched this movie. So when I was like thinking, like, why would this movie be banned? What's the deal with it? Content, probably. I thought violence. There's probably some nudity. Maybe there's a sex scene. <laughs> Final answer. The, the, yeah. Uh, India and Vietnam were the two countries that banned this movie. Its director in v- in India, uh, Fincher, refused to cut two lovemaking scenes and a rape and torture scene. In Vietnam, same reason, pretty much. Uh, the upcoming screening after a international, after Sony, basically, was asked to cut scenes, and they were like, nah, we're good. So it never theatrically came out in India or Vietnam, but, you know, it's the 21st century. You can probably get it online somewhere. Maybe there's some DVDs being hawked. Who knows? So with that going in, again, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm not going to try to gloss over. Oh, well, I am going to try to kind of give you a basis when the things get really rough, because there are some really rough scenes. But it's also a very interesting turn when some of those 
Well, I'll say it, rape and torture scenes happen. So I kind of do have to talk about them because they are kind of the most fascinating character slash plot developments in the entire movie. But let's start it off. We are starting off with Henrik Wagner. And I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce all these names correctly. I'm not sure the people in the fucking movie are going to pronounce these names correctly. Nobody in the movie actually like aspired to connect with the Swedish material. It's all English actors, except for Stellan Skarsgård. He's the only one that actually is Icelandic, I believe. And our main character, Elizabeth, he's the only one who actually says her name correctly. I believe even her in the actual Icelandic, Swedish, whatever pronunciation that Lisbeth, I believe is how you're supposed to say it, where even when I've read it or watched it on the TV with the, yeah, I got to watch things a little low. I'm in a small apartment. Neighbors can hear shit. You can probably hear my neighbors right now. I don't know what they're doing, but it sounds like they're playing hockey upstairs. How very clerk to them. But I thought it was Lisbeth. Like, you know, Elizabeth, but with, you know, no E. But anyway, so I'm going to say the names wrong a lot. I may even forget some of their names because you kind of do breeze by a lot of these characters really fast. But yeah, Henrik Wagner, he's getting a framed picture of a plant. He's an older guy played by, who is this, Christopher Plummer? Crazy that I can't even remember that. I am so sorry, but I did watch this. But he calls his lawyer up and he's like, Shit, we got another one. I kind of like the the impetus of this whole a part of this whole plot thing. It does take for fucking ever to we find out what's actually going on and how you know what the what people are actually going to be looking for. A good thirty minutes. Like this is our our inciting incident is kicked off here, but doesn't really come into play until a little bit later. Yeah, we go right into the credits. There's a cover of "Immigrant Song" by Trent Reznor and his folks. It's really good and dynamic. Lots of dark images with black ink. Of course, we're supposed to view this as a tattoo of some kind. Come to life. Dragons and girls and fire and violence. And just a primer of what we're going to see. Because, I mean, I like a good James Bond cold open. And we have Daniel Craig here. So, fuck it. Let's do it. Right? Find one of our heroes. Speaking of the man, Mikhail. Losing a court case for libel against some super fucking rich guy. He goes back. He buys a pack of cigarettes. He throws the whole pack out except for one. Smokes it. Goes to his magazine that he works at. We find out he's a writer who basically wrote a story that he couldn't quite prove in a magazine that co-owns with his editor, Erica, who they're having an affair. Yeah, it, they talk about the case a little bit at the magazine and basically he's fucked. It took all his money. He lost the court case. It's all over the news. Nobody's going to hire him to write anything. The magazine's taking a huge hit because of this. So, yeah, he's fucked. And then we cut over to our investigation firm. Elizabeth arrives. Her boss and Henrik's lawyer guy, the guy he called on the phone, the old man called on the phone at the very beginning, they're talking about her. Apparently, she's the best investigator they have, but she's unstable. And her boss is basically telling the lawyer, like, hey, don't be shocked if she says or does things. Like, I'm not going to fire her. So whatever she does, if she offends you, it's just the way she is. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever. We just kind of want to meet her, get her views. 
she's been on working on a project about Mikhail, Daniel Craig, for the lawyer. For some reason, they're researching him. She doesn't want to give her opinion. She's just like, I just looked up facts and gave you the facts. A whole investigation. Everything we learn a little bit later. It's everything like nobody but Mikhail would have known half this shit. Knows about his affair, knows about or that ended his marriage, but didn't end hers. I don't know how that's a that's just an interesting dynamic going on there. Knows about you know like how many times he masturbates, that kind of thing. Like crazy. Knows uh, whether or not he gives cunnilingus. You know, does he eat the girl out or not? There's all kind of different, like, she knows a lot. She's very thorough. And she doesn't want to give her opinion, but when the lawyer pushed, yeah, she says, like, she's, yeah, he seems like an upstanding guy. He doesn't have anything wrong outside of his personal life. Some mess, and he doesn't eat out girls as much as I think he should, but whatever. And the lawyer's like, okay, good deal. And we cut over to... Mikhail, he's at a Christmas party. Everyone's talking about, oh man, your court case went to shit. You know, how, how's the money thing going? And he's like, I don't know. And then the lawyer calls him. and says, hey, we got a job for you. Come out to Wagner Island. Henrik is here. And he goes out there. And Henrik meets him and talks about him and basically says, here's the deal. I know you're in shit. Maybe you need a place to hide out. Maybe you don't. I don't care. But I know you're a good reporter. You're a good investigator. You can get to the bottom of things. You just fucked up this one time. I get it. Maybe you need a place to lie low. And I've got a mystery. Because apparently, 40 years before, like a long time before, 30, or somewhere, it's a long fucking time ago. Let's just say the 70s. There were, everyone was on the island. The whole family lives here. And we were having a big party thing. And then there was a crash on the only bridge to the island. Like, you know, just a fucking just train wreck. Boom. And during the commotion, while everyone was trying to make sure everything was okay, uh, his niece, Henrik's niece, disappeared. Harriet. Vanished without a trace. Nobody, nothing else was found. Everybody looked for days and days. They got the dogs out. They got everything out. She just vanished. So, do you want to come and look and, you know, whatever? And is, and there's some cross-cut between him, like, you know, going back home packing and Erica saying, is this a good thing? And he's like, yeah. You take the magazine. I'm going to go do this thing. It seems interesting. The guy's going to pay me a buttload of money. He's got a house out there. It's awesome. Except it's not because he goes on the island. The little house that he's given is, yeah, I mean, let me say right now, if I was given the option, I'd fucking live there in a heartbeat. But it's cold. There's no central air. It's just, there's no groceries. There's no cell reception. Everything's just kind of, he's left to his own devices. But there's a cat. So, you know, nothing bad about that. We're all just hanging out. Nothing bad could happen with a cat around. Hold hold that thought. Cut back. Lizbeth is, she's looking into the rich guy who sued Mikhail. She knew everything about Mikhail's life. So she starts looking into him. And he's, he seems shady. He seems wrong. So she goes to his house and at first she picks up this router thing and she connects it to his internet connection. She's fucking spying on the rich guy because, you know, fuck that guy. She also goes to her guardian. We don't know quite yet why she has a guardian, but it seems she's, as the her boss said earlier, she's unstable. She's got issues. Uh, sometimes violently. So she is a ward of the state 
of some kind. I don't really know how it works, but she has someone that basically writes reports every month saying whether she's good or not. And if she, you know, is maintaining a job and being social and basically not being a psychopath. But unfortunately, her guardian, who she loves, who seems to be, she cares for a great deal. He's had a stroke and she finds him just catatonic, just sitting there. She gives a call and he's taken care of. So tragedy befalls her life. Marden, or Mikhail, sorry, gets a tour of the island. Uh, most, most everybody in the Wagner family lives there. There's one cousin off in London. He goes to town. He talks to the policeman who did the initial investigation on Harriet. But he doesn't learn a whole lot. A bunch of names. There's numbers in the back of Harriet's diary. But the guy's like, look, I've been... I'm dealing with this for years. It's my, it's my white whale. It's, it's that one case I go back to. I've thought about this for decades. And if there's something new you can see, that's great. But I don't see anything. I don't know if I can help you other than the shit that's right there in front of you. And there's like boxes. He's got boxes back at the house of all the investigation materials. Everything. Everyone's done background on the whole damn family, everything, which there's some interesting past in the Wagners, they didn't quite make their money the nice way. Henrik is sort of trying to, you know, get around that and, you know, make things better. But, I don't know, like, one guy was a Nazi. They're pretty sure and, uh, Harriet's dad, also her brother Martin, that little family group was kind of messed up. But his dad was definitely a Nazi straight up. And a couple months before she disappeared, he died. Like, just drowned himself in the fucking river. Like, it's just... It's a really dark, weird family. And they didn't make their money very nicely, most like most rich people. So yeah, he doesn't learn a whole lot from the policeman going around. He does go visit Martin uh, with Martin's friend, quote-unquote, Liv. And they have a nice dinner together. They chit-chat. They drink. Liv is actually the one that brings up Harriet. Like, oh, because the whole cover story of why he's here is that Henrik has brought him to write his autobiography or to help ghost write his autobiography. But everybody kind of knows he's there for Harriet. That's all anyone, Henrik, ever thought about. So Liv is just straight up like, you're here for that, right? And he's like, yeah, well, it's part of it. It's a big part. It's definitely, you know, a game changer in the whole situation. What do you think about that, Martin? And Martin's like, it's tragic. Uh, We searched everywhere. I don't know what the fuck to, to tell you. It's crazy. And about the same time, same night, Lisbeth is in the subway and Someone grabs her bag and it's got her laptop in it, which is like the key to her life. It's what she uses to do her job. It's what connects her to other people. And it gets snatched and she chases and beats the shit out of the guy. But the laptop's damaged, unfortunately. So she goes to her new guardian. We've talked about this guy before and uh, like we didn't, well, we didn't talk about him. He was supposed to have come in a little bit earlier. Sorry, I skipped it a little bit. But he's a complete fucking monster. He looks down on her. He talks about her violent past. The reason she needs a guardian is all this violence. And he's he basically treated her like shit. But now he has to actually go. She has to actually go to him for like money and stuff. And she's like, yeah, I need I need to get a new laptop. My, my thing broke. And he's like, well, okay. I guess if I'm doing you a favor, you can do me a favor. I don't know how she has money. But apparently she has money owed to her. Or her family money or something. I'm not sure. But he basically says, 
give me a blowjob. And she does. She's forced to. She hates it. And it's fucking, this is, this is the start of this horrible rape of her because she's vulnerable. And you can tell this guy's done this before. He's done things like this before. He's just a smug piece of shit. And she even has to go back to him a little bit later. Uh, because she just needs money for food because her laptop was broken. She lost a little bit of money, I guess, you know, whatever. And he makes her go to his house, his apartment, which right off the bat, you know, bells. But he, he brings her in and he says, okay, we'll come to the bedroom. And she's like, oh, okay. And she goes in, she puts her bag down. He immediately handcuffs her and ties her to the bed, rips her clothes off and anally rapes her. Except we kind of see, and she says later on, I expected you to do some shady, horrible shit, but I didn't expect you to be that shady and that fucking horrible. Because from where she put her bag down, she had a hidden camera. She videotaped the whole thing. And it's horrific. It's, uh, to even say this is nudity is not. It's, it, this is a rape scene. It's, it's horrific. It's just brutal to no end. She is screaming bloody murder. And I, you know, some people may be like, oh, she was acting it out. So, you know, she would blah, blah, blah. No, nobody acts this out. This is horrible. And it is stark and it is just brutally beat in. But it's also kind of necessary for the character. Again, because she later on says, I didn't expect you to be that fucking bad. But he was. And it's just another, it's showing the symptoms. It's another, I don't know analogy um something analogous to what's happening with the wagners and with mikhail all in together the rich and the powerful just just shitting on and taking from and beating anyone who's under their power and yeah that's what happens and it's fucking horrible at the same time mikhail has been uh, there's kind of a time jump here. Time is sort of nebulous in this whole thing. It's not a straightforward. It's just we skip time a lot. Uh, Mikhail visits Anita, the cousin in London. She basically says, yeah, Harry, it was great. I didn't know her that much. I left as soon as I could. You met the rest of the family. They're all garbage fuckers. Harriet was one of the best of them, and she was just distracted a lot. There's something going on, but I don't know what it was, and as soon as I could, I left too. Or I left, I guess I should say. We go back to the island and Mikhail's partner, Erica, showing up. She's having dinner with fucking Henrik. Everybody's chilling out. And Mikhail's like, what the fuck is going on here? And Henrik's like, well, your magazine's going to shit. And she later confirms that, like, e- even as bad as she says it was, it's worse. But he wants to invest in the magazine, keeping it going. And Mikhail and Erica debate on it. He basically says, it's your magazine if you want to take the money. I understand. I don't know about these shady rich motherfuckers, but Erica's like, yeah, we got to do it. And there's a nice bit of publicity where Henrik and the lawyer unveil the plans to keep this great magazine of truth and justice in the Swedish way going. I don't know. And it's just a, it's a weird semi-savior moment, but you can also tell this is just for publicity. Like they wouldn't have done this out of the goodness of their hearts. Even if Mikhail had turned it down, even if they'd met and had a lovely dinner, known that they were great people. Henrik is using this. 
the lawyer definitely is using this. There's a lot of you. Everyone's be using someone in this, especially the rich and the powerful. Like I said, Elizabeth goes to the garden. Uh, he gives an apology and is like in his house again. And you're thinking again, and she's still kind of doing uh, like a weird meek impression. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry. God brutal. Lust, blah, blah, blah. But fuck that. She stun guns his ass and just puts his ass down. Like, in the neck. She gets him, like, like just fucks him up. And she ties him up. When he comes to, she's like, yeah. I yeah, that's where the, uh, you're a fucking garbage monster. And she shows him the tape of him raping her. And says, you're going to write fucking the best reviews ever, you piece of shit. Every month is going to be amazing. And a few months from now, you're going to recommend that I be let out on my own. That I be my own guardian. And you're going to fuck off forever. Also, if you ever have another female in your apartment, I'm going to come back and kill your ass. And just so you won't forget, I've been teaching myself a new skill. And she breaks out a tattoo gun and tattoos on his fucking, like his entire chest. I'm a rapist pig. Oh, yeah. And um, there's another thing she does about a little way in. She takes this giant dildo rod and shoves it up his ass. When she's done tattooing him, she just starts kicking it. And and many, many times just kicks this thing up his ass. And it is not pleasant. And he deserves every single inch of that giant ass dildo. And that's, yeah. God bless Lisbeth and her fucking crazy psychotic side. Because she is inventive. I might have just shot the dude, but no. She uses him. And that's a good thing in this case. Back on the island, Mikhail is looking at lots of pictures. His daughter comes and visits him, talks about Jesus a bunch. She's apparently been saved. While she's leaving, they have a good meeting and really doesn't have anything except for the end. She's like, oh, those numbers that were on the back of that diary of the thing you're researching? He's like, yeah, cool. He's like, ah, yeah, I didn't know you were into the Bible so much. And he's like, what? She's like, yeah, those are those numbers. They correlate to Bible verses. And he fucking... Leaves her ass at the train station. I mean, you know, because she's leaving. He doesn't just ditch her. But he goes back, looks at the verses, and finds out they correspond to a lot of murders that he's been looking up because he's been researching the whole town and everything and finds all these, like, weird, oh, this one girl got murdered this way and this one, and then it correlates to a punishment from the Bible. Old Testament shit. Cutting off your head and feeding it to birds and covering yourself with wax. You know, crazy shit. But then Henrik gets sick. And the lawyer comes over, tells Mikkel, you know, this doesn't hurt our relationship. You continue working on the thing. We're pretty sure he's okay. He's just an old man. He's going down. Mikhail is like, I am finding so much other crazy shit. I need an assistant. And the lawyer's like, well, there was this one girl you might like that uh, actually investigated you before we hired you. And he's like, wait, you investigated me? And he's like, yeah, I'll give you the dossier she gave us. It's very thorough. Back over, Lizbeth, same sex, uh, one night stand. She goes, picks up a girl. They have really hot sex. I guess I don't know if she's coming to or be finding comfort or what, or just you know serving an urge. You know, no judgment. But when she wakes up, Mikhail is there, and he's brought breakfast, and she knows who he is, and he knows who she is now, but they've never met. So it's really an interesting scene. 
where he's like, yeah, you investigated me. I've got a job for you. Get this girl out of here. Nice shirt. It just says, fuck you, you fucking fuck. I'd love this girl to death. And he hires her to investigate. Like, here, look, I got all these crazy ass murders, but I think there's way more because the murders, he only found like one or two murders, but there's like a dozen numbers listed in the back of the diary. So she comes to the island with him. Uh, she's found, she find, she investigates like a motherfucker. Uh, she goes all over the place. She found murders are all Jewish women. Uh, they're all from around the area. And while they're talking about uh, everything she finds, I'm, I'm skip cutting here a little bit. But in the morning when they walk out, and it's his reaction is very funny. But the actual thing that the cat they find the cat, his roommate, the only thing on the island that was worth a damn, is been killed and dismembered, and is in the shape of a swastika. So either Martin's dad came back, and or there's another Nazi on the island, or. Somebody's warning them to stay the fuck away. But he's like, no, you know, this is not a thing. So they start investigating the photographs. There's a, there was a parade that happened a few days before Harry had disappeared. And apparently, like, there, there's obviously something weird. She saw something. Uh, her facial expression changes at one point. Harriet's does in the pictures as they look through them all. And they're like, well, there's other people there. You can literally see in the pictures, other people taking pictures. So let's see if we can find maybe what she was looking at or the other angles. So they start talking about going to people who probably were taking pictures that day. One, I think is like a honeymoon couple, that kind of thing. Getting copies of those pictures, like looking it up. Lisbeth is actually putting up cameras around the place because, you know, one dead cat, there's probably more. Mikhail goes for a walk, though. He's just kind of hanging out. The island is really pretty. But then all of a sudden, gunshots. Holy shit. One hits a sign right next to him, cuts his cheek pretty bad, and he fucking books it. Takes off running. And he comes back to the house, and he's like, somebody fucking shot at me. And Elizabeth is like, stop being a baby. I'll fix it. Do you have any dental floss? And he's like, what the fuck for? And she breaks out a needle and stitches his face up with dental floss. Which... You have got to be a hardcore motherfucker to just even think of that. Or, I mean, super pragmatic, which I think she's a little bit of both, honestly. She's just a badass. And while they're having this tender moment and he, you know, deals a shit, he's still Daniel Craig and she's still Rooney Mari. So, you know, they have sex. And it's, it, you can sort of find that they're finding solace in each other, I guess. I don't know. But they actually do get access to all the company records at this point the Wagner company records because they believe there's some connection to all the murders that were happening and possibly someone in the family because they all worked for the damn company because it's a company family, family company, whatever. So maybe there was some movement, you know, some different places around Sweden, different people got killed, different places. There's also a correlation of different factories and things that they had in different places. So Lisbeth goes on a hunt through the archives. She ends up proving that Gottfried, the, the, the Nazi, Harriet's dad, was close by working on company properties for most of the murders. So it's probably him. But also his son Martin was around a whole lot. Holy shit. And she's alone here. Mikhail's back on the thing. Of course, he goes to fucking Martin's after proving in the pictures that... Oh, Martin was supposed to have been away, but Harriet saw him at the parade, and she's he's the reason she freaked out and ran. So he goes to her, 
he goes to Martin's house for some reason, still in Skarsgård. He breaks in, he's looking around, but Martin comes home. So he jumps out, he's like literally in the backyard, and Martin pops out and is like, hey, what's going on? You just hanging out? Why don't you come in for a drink? Why are you hanging out? And of course, Mikhail, being an affable, normal guy, not trying to raise suspicion, goes in for a drink and Martin pulls a fucking gun on him because that's what fucking happens. And he leads Mikhail down to this fucking murder dungeon, this stark white, almost like operating theater place where he has this big fucking like hanging um, like neck brace that he puts Mikhail in with handcuffs and he he hangs him basically from this neck brace, like just choking him out. And Martin gives this whole daddy's son speech. You know, I'm, I am my father's son. I had, I helped, you know, he murdered a bunch of people and I murdered a bunch of people. And Mikhail's just fucking hanging there and he's like, oh, fuck. And Martin's fucking mad. I mean, actually, he's calm most of it until Mikhail brings up, well, is that why you killed Harriet? And Martin gets pissed. He's like, I didn't fucking, I didn't fucking cute kill Harriet. Wish I knew who that son of a bitch was. Elizabeth, having figured out Martin was it, comes back, beats the shit out of him, and he runs away, and she chases him after freeing Mikhail. Chases him on her motorcycle, and he crashes and dies. Martin goes up in a fiery fucking wreck, and it's kind of awesome and sweet, just some kind of weird just desserts, except he doesn't actually get, there's no justice done, but a serial killer is dead, but we still don't know where the hell Harriet is. Until... Mikhail starts thinking, and he goes to London. He talks to Anita again, the cousin that went away. He's like, you're fucking Harriet, aren't you? You're the one that, the very thing that set this whole thing off, the first scene of the movie, there's those frame pictures. Henrik got a frame picture from Harriet every time until she died, and then he got one every time on his birthday after that, or until she disappeared. And yeah, She's the one that's been sending the pictures. She says she was raped by her dad, Gotrick. Her dad came at her one day and she hit him and he fell in the water and died. And after that, Martin started fucking raping her. So the real Anita, understanding her plot, they both went out of the country. Unfortunately, Anita died in a car wreck in the movie version. I think in the book it was something different, but she took over Anita's life. I think Anita got married, so she lived under, and Harriet lived under Anita's maiden name while Anita got married and lived somewhere else. But yeah, that's it. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. Harriet goes home with Mikkel to see Henrik again. Now that Martin and Godric are both dead, she can come home. And it's actually kind of touching because he's still sick. He had like a stroke or something. So he's a little bit half there, half not. But it's just really sweet. And Mikhail's like, okay, where's this dirt on the rich asshole that you promised me? Because I forgot about telling you that part. That part of his salary was they were saying like, you know, the rich asshole who sued you into oblivion. I've got some dirt on him. But it's old as shit. And mostly hearsay from like decades ago. It's just bad intel. But Elizabeth is like, Hold hold your phone, please, because I've been hacking the shit out of him, and I've got all kind of stuff, and boom. And then while Mikhail is clearing his name with all this evidence, 
Lisbeth travels the damn globe, gathering all the rich asshole's money, changing it to different banks, moving things around because she has all his details from hacking into his computer for you know months. She moves all like millions and billions of dollars or Swedish dollars, whatever the fuck it is. Because he, he was trying to hide all the money because he's about to get sued to oblivion because of all his shady business dealings that Martin wrote about. They couldn't prove at first, but now he can prove it. So she just gathers, gathers up all this money in like different outfits and stuff. It's it's very, very good. Very well done. Even though this wasn't even a primary villain. But we're taking this guy down too because rich people suck in this show, in this movie. Except for Harriet and Henrik. They, they did all right. But even Henrik was... Had bad intel. Didn't have the good information that he promised. He just wanted to know where his niece was at. But yeah. Lizbeth comes home. Sweden. She's going to hook up with Mikhail. You can definitely tell she cares a lot about him. They've been through some shit. You know, she sewed him up with dental floss. Had sex with him. They fought a serial killer together. She's got... Millions and millions of dollars now. Everything is coming up them. She even goes to a thing and buys him like a super expensive leather jacket. It's like, yeah, I'm going to make him a bad boy like me. You know, he, he'll fit on my arm pretty well. But when she goes to give it to him, she sees him walk out of the apartment with Erica. You can just tell the heartbreak on her face. It hurts. It hurts really fucking bad. She throws away the, the jacket she bought him. She gets on her motorcycle and drives on. And that's where the story ends. If you can handle dark and edgy mysteries, this one's pretty damn good. I mean, it's Fincher. So if you've seen any other Fincher movies, this one has very explicit and very... It's not delicate the way it handles it. It's really rough. But the overall atmosphere, it's very that neo-noir... I don't know. It's the... Images are just really stark. The landscapes are just these beautiful, barren wastelands, almost. Even the houses that people are supposed to live on this island just look like empty shells. It's it's just really well done and really well told. It's a it's not a great story, but it's a really good story, well told. If that makes any sense. So if you liked Fight Club, if you like Seven, go for it. It's just as dark as those if not a little bit harder with the imagers, but well worth your time. And that's about where we're going to end it. Have you ever killed your father and masqueraded as your cousin to escape a rapist brother? Or been to Sweden? Send your answer over on our Twitter. One of the ways you can contact us on bandlibrary.com's contact page or email us at contact at bandlibrary.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Google Play, Amazon, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. If you can't find it, let me know. I'll try to fix what the fuck's going on with some of these feeds. You can follow us on Twitter, Band Library, and tell us other social medias you like. Because, again, I mostly just do Twitter. Support us on Patreon if you can. We appreciate that. And you get a little extra content if you like listening to my voice. And that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book.
Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.